just to uh, refresh our memories as to what's going on in in nine, ten, and eleven, Paul's taking a he's taking a detour to talk to us about the the nation of Israel and God's promise to them. And for most of you guys, as I was reading it this weekend, I was thinking most of you guys reading this would probably be thinking, you know, like. What in the world does this really have to do with me? I mean, it's good to give me some information, but, you know, what does it really have to do with me? you got to remember that during the time when Paul wrote this letter, that was the big question. That was the big question, is God accepting the Gentiles in the same way that he accepted the Jews and of course the Jews were mad about that and the Gentiles were saying well do I have to keep all the laws and what do I have to do I, you know and all those kind of things that was the controversy that was going on and in this section you see that up until this point in Romans Paul has told us all about salvation he's told us all about redemption and our and, and how we are made you know united with God in Christ and in chapter 8, he told us all about how that can never be dissolved. The love that Christ has for you, that saving love, can never be undone. It can't be done away with. Remember when it said, no, nothing in creation can separate you from... And so, the question that he's answering here in these chapters is, if God, if it's true what you're saying, Paul, if it's true that, that now everybody's accepted through Christ... And that nothing can separate us from Christ because God has promised to make it so. How can we trust that promise when you're saying that God has cast off the people that he promised in the first place in the Old Testament? So basically the question is, how can we trust God to keep us the promise that he made to us when by all intents and purposes you're saying that he's not kept the promise that he made to them. Are y'all with me? Everybody got it? Okay. And so what Paul's going to say, and this this is the final section, he's told us in 9, 10, and 11, but in 11 he's going to say that he's going to continue by saying, look, God has kept his promise to Israel. Okay, He has kept his promise to his people. But the question at hand, the, the thing that the thing that makes the thing that Paul's trying to get across to us is that not everybody, like if this class, if all of y'all were Jewish, right? All y'all were we we living in Israel, right? All of us are Jewish. Not everybody in this room would be part of Israel, God's people. It would be only those who trust in God. And he, he's shown us from Old Testament examples, hadn't he? That even back in the Old Testament, all who are Israel are not all of Israel. He's saying the ones of faith are. And so he's saying God has not, God has not left his promise to them. He has fulfilled his promise to them. Y'all with me? Yes. Any, any questions? Okay. I just I woke up this morning, I was like, Lord, please just don't let me bore you with this. Okay, let's read it. It says, God has kept his promise to Israel. That's the point right here. It says, verse 1 says, I say then, hath God, hath God cast away his people? Who are his people that he's talking about? Huh? Israel, that's right. 
have, have they cast away? What's Paul's answer? No. No. And what is the reason why he says God has not cast away his people right there in verse 1? Huh? That's right. He said, I'm, I'm an Israelite. So what's the implication there? That God fulfilled his promise to Israel through, in Paul, through what? God says, he says, I haven't, basically Paul is implying right there that God has fulfilled his promise to me and I'm an Israelite. How has God fulfilled his promise to Paul? Yeah, by being, well, by giving his son for him, by saving him through Jesus Christ, right? So Paul's showing us there that God has fulfilled his promise through Jesus Christ. That's how, that's going to be over and over again what this chapter talks about is the promise is fulfilled to God's people through God's son, Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, God has not cast away his people because I'm one of his people. I'm an Israelite. I'm the seed of Abraham. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. And I'm not cast off. Why is Paul not cast off? Right, because he trusted in Christ. Alright? Before he trusted in Christ, who was he? What did he do? You say a magician? Huh? No, Paul wasn't a fisherman. Sorry. The rest of the disciples were fishermen, so you do get points for that. Huh? Yeah, he killed Christians. He killed people in the name of God. He was, you know, in other places he says, I was, I kept the law and I followed the standards better than all of my contemporaries. And, and, but he was saying that he, 530. What was I saying? You don't know? I have no idea what I'm saying. Huh? Yeah, he was a persecutor. And so he was he was not part of God's people, even though he was an Israelite. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. But when he got in Christ, when he was saved, that made him part of, that made him the receiver of the promise. Make sense? You with me, Tammy? You know you're not. Are you really? Okay, I'm just making sure. You said, yeah, like, uh-huh. Okay. He said, God, verse 2 says, God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. He says, what ye not, what the script, he said, don't you know what the scripture says, says of Elias, which is Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith, what is the, what is God answer to him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then, at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now, if you don't know that story, you know the story about Elijah, Brother Eddie's priest on it two or three times, about him and Mount Carmel, where he called down the fire. And it, it Well, right after that story, right after that story, uh, Jezebel goes to kill him, all of God's prophets and all. Uh, and so Elijah runs off, and he's by this brook, and he's all by himself, and God is feeding him through like birds are bringing him meat, and he's got water, and he's all by himself, and he's hiding from, from Jezebel and, and Ahab. And, uh, or Ahaz. It was Ahab. Anyway, 
And so he was complaining. He was saying, God, I'm the last one. Everybody else is dead. All your people have done turned on you. Everybody's gone. The altars are messed up. Nobody's worshiping you anymore. Your own people have turned their back on you and I'm the only one left. And now she's after me too. They're wanting to kill me too. That's in the, it's in First Kings if you want to read that. Uh, and then God answered him and he said, no, you're not the only one. He says, I've reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal, have not turned away from worshiping me, have not turned away from, from the truth. Uh, so what he was saying was, Paul is using that example. He says, even so, verse 5 says, even so now, at this present time, there's also a remnant according to the election. He's saying, even though it looks like right now that, that Israel has rejected the Messiah, that all the national Israel has gone their own way and done their own thing, and they're, they're just forgetting about what, what, uh, what God has done and how He has given them their Messiah, He says, there are some that are reserved. There are some that do believe in Christ. So he's saying the fulfillment of the promise has been given to them, even though a lot of them have rejected the fulfillment of the promise. Y'all with me? No. All right, let me tell you. Your lips say yes, but your eyes, they say no. Okay. Let me do it this way. You can thank... uh, Charles, he got me thinking about this. Okay, I'm going to sum up 9, 10, 11 just to show you what... Hey, Pam! Woo! Hi! Uh, so, uh, what y'all, what he's talking about. And this, this should just sum it up to kind of help you. Okay, God... Paul has told us that not all Israel is Israel, right? So this is what he's saying. Okay, first you got... You got Abraham, right? Abraham, Abraham. That's the beard. That's what they look like back then. Yeah. <laughs> Abraham, right? They didn't eat. Ab- huh? They didn't eat too much. They what? They didn't eat too much. No, they didn't eat too much back then. They hadn't really worked. I don't know why he has a beard and no eyes. Huh? <laughs> okay, all right. Shut up. I'm getting an eye. Mind if faith knows. All right. Abraham is how the nation started, right? All the Jews you read in the New Testament, they say, we are the sons of Abraham. We are the inheritors of the promise. We are Israel. And they were basing their relationship with God based on the fact that they came from Abraham, right? And so through 9 and 10, Paul has showed us that not everybody that comes from Abraham is Israel, right? Okay, Abraham had two sons. Who were they? Ishmael. He's got a little turban on his head. Ishmael. He got a hammer on his head. Okay, Ishmael and Isaac, right? And God said, which one of these is Israel? Which one of them is Israel? Do y'all know the story? Isaac, right. God said, I'm going to choose Isaac. He is Israel. And Ishmael is not. So just to say you're a son of Abraham doesn't make you part of Israel. Because only the sons of Isaac were Israel. The sons of Ishmael were not. Right? And so, Isaac had two sons. Who were his two sons? 
Jacob. Esau. Jacob. Jacob. He got a jacked up kid. That's where he wrestled with God. Okay, he got fuzz on his hands where he. Okay, Jacob. Esau. And Esau. Esau was the heritor, yeah. Okay? But he put the stuff on his hands to deceive to deceive us. Okay, sorry. All this is all this is you'd be surprised how much of the Bible is based on the stories that you are in Genesis. So if if you don't know the Genesis narrative of, of how the nation came to be, you need to read that and it will shed light on a lot of other things that maybe you don't understand in different parts of the Bible. So Isaac had two sons. Are both Isaac's sons Israel? No. Which one's Israel? Jacob. Jacob. Okay? Right. Esau, these became the Edomites which fought against Israel. And these became the Arabs, which broke into a bunch of different peoples. Okay? So, God said, out of these two, this one's Israel. Out of these two, this one's Israel. And so, Jacob broke into 12 tribes, right? Yes. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, well, he had 12 kids. You figured he, figured he would. He would figure he would understand how that happened. Huh? <laughs> Just take a break, Jacob. Dang. Okay. Anyway, so he had 12 tribes, and this is Israel, right? God changed his name to Israel, and these are the 12 tribes of Israel. You got me on my tiptoe. I don't care. Okay. So, could Ishmael say, I am a son of Abraham, therefore I have inherited the promise made to Abraham? Could Ishmael say that? No. Okay. Could Esau say, I am a son of Abraham and Isaac, therefore I can inherit the promise? No. Okay. So, the 12 tribes of Israel, by the time of Jesus, they were saying, we are God's people, we are Israel, but God in his He took one line out of the tribe of Judah, right? And he said, I'm going to pull this one down here. He sent his son, Jesus, right? To die for the sins of the world and fulfill the promise. And he said, this is going to be the fulfillment of the promise. Now, can these claim... I inherited the promise because I am the sons of Abraham. I am the sons of Abraham. No, because God sent his son to fulfill the promise. Does that help y'all make sense? This is kind of what Paul is saying. He's saying, he's saying, just because you in the family, the natural descent, it doesn't make you in right relationship with God. What makes you in right relationship with God is your faith. In God. Remember it said Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. And all through the Old Testament you see different people in, in, the, in Israel being cut off from the people because they didn't believe or they didn't, they didn't do what God said. And you see people that are not part of Israel that are brought in. Y'all know the story of Ruth. You read Ruth? She's a Moabite. And because of her faith in God, she was brought into Israel and made part of Israel. And her family was actually part of the lineage of Christ. 
and Rahab in, in Canaan, in Jericho. Remember when the spies went to Rahab's house? She protected them and lied for them. And then when Israel came and destroyed Jericho, they spared her. Well, they brought her into Israel. She became part of Israel. And Rahab's family became part of the lineage of Christ. That's why it's in the Old Testament. So even in the Old Testament, you see people being brought into the people of God that are not actually born of the family. And you see people who are kicked out of the people of God who are people born in the family. So what he, what Paul is saying here is he said, look, I, I was born. This is I'm Paul. He says, I was born from Abraham. I was born from Isaac. I was born from Jacob. And then Paul says, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Right. He said, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. He says, so I'm part of the family. Right. He said, but I've received the fulfillment of the promise because I'm in Jesus. Make sense? Y'all with me? That's a good analogy right there, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. All right. God's true people have always been by faith. Even Elijah understood this. Uh, Paul said at the present time, the time Paul was writing, there is a remnant. The remnant is through Jesus. There we go. Okay. And it's by grace. Verse 6. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. Somebody define grace for me. Okay, I'll do it myself. Forgiveness. It is forgiveness. That would probably be part of it. Forgiveness, you don't deserve it. Yeah. Who said that? You go. Forgiveness, you don't deserve. It's unmerited favor, I guess. It is if I decide to bestow something on Bruce that he absolutely does not deserve. Deserves right the opposite. Right. He deserves the opposite. Bruce broke into my house and stole all my stuff and so what I did was I gave him some more stuff and forgave him for what he did. It's probably not the best example but grace is if if I have to do anything, even the smallest thing, then it's not grace. You understand? Because I had a part in it. I like to explain it this way. Like, if, uh, if me and Jimmy went in and we're going to buy this Cadillac Escalade, it's 50 grand, right? And Jimmy puts in $49,999.50. And I put in 50 cents. Did Jimmy buy the whole price of the Escalade? No, I put in my 50 cents. Now, you know, that's kind of ridiculous. But the reality is, the reality is that he did not pay the price for the Escalade. I put in part of it. Even if it's a little bitty part. We'd probably argue about who got to drive it when because my 50 cents probably wouldn't merit much, much cents, driving. Let yeah, 50 cents let me rub the tire once in a while. Huh? But uh, that's not my uh, if, if So what he's saying is, look, if you stand before God and you say, I... God, I understand that you forgave me and you did all those things, but I have this work to add to it. I was good. I did good things. I, I, 
I was smarter than the person next to me and I followed you better. If you do anything that earns your standing with God, that means it's not by grace. Okay? You see what he's saying? He was saying, he was saying, if you think that you are somehow better because you are part of the family, he says, then it's really not by grace. Because I'm better than the dude over there. Because I am, I am, you know, I'm me. Right? Don't we do that? Don't we do that like, uh, we do that as, as Christians. Like, you know, I grew up in church and I, I, I've always been one of these, you know, I've always been a Christian. I've had people say that I've always been a Christian. I've just, I was born a Christian. I was raised a Christian, whatever. And, and we think, you know, because I am who I am, because my parents raised me in, in this deal. Even if you weren't like a devout Christian or a devout follower of Christ, you're not, you know, we're, we live in Tennessee. You're not a Muslim. You're not a Buddhist. You're not a Jew. You don't do Judaism. So what are you? You know, nine people out of ten will say, I'm a Christian. Why? Well, because I live in Tennessee. That's what you are in Tennessee. You know, it's Christians. I had a video I watched one time, and I used it for an example. This girl was getting interviewed on the street. You know, some guy was trying to witness to her with a microphone and a camera. And he says, he says, what religion are you? She said, I'm a Christian. I'm from Texas. Like, like everybody in Texas is a Christian or something. You, you know, and so you, you would say, like, because I live in America, you know, and because that's just what we are, you know, you would say, I'm a Christian. And, yeah, it's almost like, you know, that's just, that's what we're born into, is we're being a Christian. That's what these Jews were saying. They said, look, we're the people of God. We're, Jew- we're Jewish and we're, we're the ones, you understand? All y'all, you know, need to come over on my, our side. And it wasn't because of faith. It wasn't because of trusting God. It wasn't because of a love for God. It wasn't because of a relationship with God. It was just because this is who I am. I'm born this way. I'm, I'm in the family. That's how I am. And we do it the same way. We're like, well, I go to church. You know, I, I, I make time in my schedule for church. You know, and I, I, I live in a Christian family. We, we have Judeo-Christian values. You know, we pray before we eat and we do all those things. Guess what? None of that means squat. They just made it a religion. They made it work. If it's not of grace, then it's of nothing. You have absolutely nothing. And the only way to receive grace is through Jesus Christ, by trusting in Him, repenting of sin, trusting so we Him. we compare ourselves to standards, but not to the standard. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. We compare ourselves to each other, and which, you know, I could say I'm better than Him, not as good as Him, but better than those, and not, but really in the end it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, because I'm not going to stand next to Him at the judgment. I'm going to stand all by my lonesome. And I'm going to have to give account for what I do. Uh, where was we at? What verse? Six. Six. Okay. If, if it's otherwise work, yeah. If it's not, if it's by grace, then it's grace. If it's work, it's work. One or the other. What then Israel has not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election have obtained it and the rest were blinded. Now what he's talking about right here, he's saying, look, all of these people here, this is... The nation of Israel, right? Let me laugh at my hand right now. All these that sought it by work have not obtained it. And they sought it not because we love God and we trust God. They sought it because, hey, I'm I'm chosen one. You know what I mean? I'm the one. He says, but 
there is a remnant in, in this group that have gone through Christ. You see what I mean? He says there are, it's not like God has cast off all, God hadn't cast off His people because there are people within the nation that have trusted in Christ. They're Messianic Jews or what they're called. They believe in Christ. They've trusted in Christ. So it's not like God just booted the whole family out the way. He provided the single door, Jesus, and only the remnant of grace have come through that door. And the rest, the rest are blind. The rest are blinded. Now you're thinking about thinking about a lot of times when you talk about being blinded. I, I want y'all to understand. Uh, I had this discussion with people this week, um, and I used to think that if I learned enough about science and arguments and logic, that I could convince somebody that you know this Christianity thing is true. That Jesus is the way. But the reality is, the more that I read Scripture and the more that I hear that I hear God speak to me is, you can't convince anybody of anything. It takes an internal work of God in their heart to open them up to understand and to believe the truth. So I can argue with you all day long. I argued with Jehovah's Witnesses for an hour and a half Saturday when they came to my house. And I mean, in the, it's like... Until God opens, until God calls you, until the Holy Spirit draws you, until, until God does that work in your heart, they were just blinded. I mean, they were just blinded to what, I mean, I asked three questions and I had to ask them 15 times a piece because they never would answer. You know, and it's just like, well, I've been here for an hour and you ain't, you ain't answered a single. She said, well, you need to go to the Bible. I said, well, my question is from the Bible. You ain't answered. You know, it's, a, it's over and over again. And so we beat ourselves up. Going, what did I say the wrong thing? What am I supposed to say when I witness? What am I supposed to say? I don't, I don't, I just don't know enough. I don't know enough to be able to tell somebody. And all that is just excuses. Because the reality is you don't know enough. And you ain't never going to know enough. You, the reality is you may say the wrong thing. You may not say the thing you're supposed to say. But the truth is that you can be you can be off in left field somewhere talking about who knows what, and God could do a work in their heart just by what you're saying, by what they're seeing in your life, and He could change them right then. I'll give you a perfect example. When there have been times when preaching, like just I know Brother Eddie's experienced this, but I I'm talking about myself when when I'd be preaching about salvation and the gospel and just I'm talking about it's, in my mind. I'm giving it as hard as I can. I'm giving it as, I mean, people have got to come. I'm looking at you and I know you lost. You know, you done told me you were lost. And I'm looking at you and I'm like, and I'm, I'm throwing it out there as hard as I can, as sincere as I can, as true to the scriptures as I can. And I'm just doing the very best I can. And at the end, I give the invitation. Nobody comes. It's like, uh, you know, and then... Another Sunday, I'll be talking about something like tithing or something like that. You know, just something, okay, guys, this is what we need to do. And I'll be just teaching you this thing. And then nine people come get said, like, I wasn't even, it, it wasn't even a message about all that kind of stuff. But you see, God will, God will work and move even when, even when you're thinking I'm doing good and nothing happens. Or you're thinking, well, this ain't going very good. God moves in all that stuff. So when it talks about blindness, what you need to understand is that until God works in somebody's heart, no argument you can give them is going to work. 
There's no argument. There is no, there is no smoking gun. What can I say to them that's going to completely shut down the conversation and let me win the argument and let them come to Christ? No, there's no such thing. Because until, that, until God works in their heart, so what you do is you pray. God, work in their heart. You know, before you get there, work in their heart. That's why we pray for people because there's no argument that you can come up with that is going to, that is going to 100% of the time settle with it. Y'all with me? Did take the pressure off a little bit? Free to be a witness. You free to be a witness. I told one guy one time, it's like the gospel is a lightning rod. And what we're doing is we're just handing lightning rods out in the thunderstorm. That's really, I don't know where lightning's going to hit, but I know when lightning hits, it's going to hit that rod. See what I mean? So what we're doing is we're handing the gospel out. And this guy don't want it, and that guy don't want it, and that guy don't want it. And bang, all of a sudden, God does the work with the gospel. And he accepts it. See what I mean? So all we're doing is, hand, all we're doing is handing out the message. Handing out the if message. They, if they really believe, I mean, if we, it would be a bus then if we were able to Right, absolutely, and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be. I've all, what Eddie said. She said that if we could convince them of ourselves, it would be of us and not of God. Like if I could talk you into it, somebody smarter than me can come along and talk you out of it. I mean, ain't no doubt, ain't no doubt about that. So until until God works, it's, and that's why it says the 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 election has obtained it, but the rest are blinded. And that's what that blindness is, you know. And when you meet, I, I'll give you, this is pretty much, uh, it may not be universal, but when you meet somebody that says, I just don't believe there's enough evidence to believe in God or in Christ and all this thing, what they're really saying is, I got some sins that I like to do and I don't want to give them up yet. That's what they're saying. Okay, so... The majority of the nation of Israel, they were finding righteousness uh, before God in what they were doing, who they were. They were trying to get it by works. And Paul said the remnant within Israel did... I'm not reading the Bible, I'm just reading some of my notes. The remnant within Israel did find it. And this is Paul, who Paul says the election... Um, so Paul saying that within the nation of Israel, there are those that are accepted by grace. Now verse 8 says... According as this is talking about them being blinded, according as it is written, God hath given them a spirit of slumber, eyes they should not see, ears they should not hear, unto this day. And even David said, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back away. That was David's prayer in one of the Psalms. Was and he's talking about his own people. So what he's saying is this shouldn't be a shock to you guys. Talking to the Israelites, this shouldn't be a shock to you because even in your own Old Testament, you got Elijah. We've already talked about him, who said that all Israel has turned away from you and nobody's left. And God said, No, I still have a remnant. And then you got David, Israel's greatest king, who is praying for Israel to be destroyed because they've all turned away. He said, So you shouldn't say just because I am part of this family, because I am Abraham's Abraham's uh, natural descendant that I am part because even in the Old Testament it wasn't that way um, so the point he's trying to make and I probably need to hurry up is that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of God's promise both to Israel and to the world okay 
Jesus is God's perfect Israel. And when anybody who is in Christ is God's perfect Israel that have come to Him by faith and they receive the promise that God made. Remember the promise God made through Abraham in Genesis was, I will make you many nations and through you, through your seed, the world will be blessed. And who was Abraham's seed? Jesus was Abraham's seed. And it's through Christ that the world is blessed. So, let's skip to verse 11. Or no, that wouldn't be skipping, would it? He says, I say, have they stumbled that they should fall? Who is they? Israel. Israel. Have they stumbled that they should fall? It says, God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Us. Us. Anybody who's not Jewish. For to what and why has salvation come to the Gentiles? For to provoke them. Who is them? Israel to jealousy. So you see what's going on? It's not necessarily just talking about, oh, there's going to come a day when it's all going to be different. It is just all about us. Right. And so, say that again. Israel thought in their own hands, well, it's just about us. Right, it turned into pride. Gentiles can't have Right, it turned into a source of pride. And so God says right here, He says, their fall, their fall away from who? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Salvation has come to the whole world. And the reason it's come to the whole world is so that it's going to provoke them to jealousy. So look at the verse again. They have not stumbled just so that they'll perish. See what it says? Have they stumbled just so, oh, I'm just going to throw them away? No. They stumbled so salvation would come to the rest of the world. And salvation coming to the rest of the world would do what to them? Provoke them to jealousy. So God hadn't just thrown them away. The whole Old Testament and just right together. Yeah. What? It's just the whole Old Testament because Israel fell. Israel fell. Israel fell. And then yeah, right there in verse 11 it says that's why they kept falling. Right. They kept falling. They have fallen especially away from Jesus. So their salvation has come to the rest of the world. But the rest of the world's salvation does what? Yeah, it comes through Jesus. But what does the rest of the verse say? The rest, the salvation of the rest of the world is for to provoke them to jealousy. So God hasn't thrown them away. He has. He is trying to wake like our salvation and our witness goes right back to them. God is calling them through Jesus just like He's calling us through Jesus. So Paul is saying, look, God has not thrown away His people. God has not abandoned the promise to His people. He he caused the blindness to come over His people that rejected Christ so that the rest of the world would inherit the blessing of the promise through Jesus Christ. And then the Jews would see the promise. They would be jealous for the promise that they would come to know Christ themselves. So he's saying Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. Y'all with me? That kind of got confusing to me there for a second. So it's not, he's saying, I haven't thrown them away. So this whole deal about, well, God, just don't do them anymore. He don't love them. He, no, no, no. I haven't thrown them away. He says, but 
their salvation, their inheritance of the promise is going to come the same way yours did. It's going to come through Jesus Christ. He's given them a chance. Right, absolutely. Just like He gave us a chance. Um, We better hurry. So, let's get down to... I like what Paul says in 13. He says, For I speak to you Gentiles in so much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. Right. And go on and read 14. That uh, If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are of my flesh and might save some of them. So who is he talking about right there? Them which are of my flesh. The Gentiles. No. Israel. That's right. The Jews. The ones of his flesh. So what's Paul saying? He's not looking forward to some future time when, you know, the beasts are rising out of the, the blah, whatever, all that stuff. He's not, he's looking for right now. He's saying right now, he said, look, I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. He says, I magnify my office. He says, because through my ministry to the Gentiles, what was his ministry? What was he doing? Gospel. Yeah, he was going around preaching the gospel, starting churches. He says, through my ministry, he says, I want to provoke to emulation to cause jealousy, which the people of my flesh and might do what to some of them? Save them. Save them. That's right. That's what he said. I'm bringing the gospel to the Gentiles, but that same gospel is going to Israel. So God's promise is being fulfilled through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? What? I think you can almost visually see Paul stomping his foot like, don't you get it? Yeah. Verse. Let's start in 17, just because we got to hurry up. We only got a few minutes left. What Paul does here is he shows God's people as. Y'all going to love my drawing here. The tree. The tree. How you do it? I'm going to laugh at my tree. Shut up. My tree looks good. It looks like Mark Simpson. It looks like a palm tree. Huh? Palm tree, baby. Well, I ain't got time, I ain't got time to draw an olive tree. Okay. All right. Olive trees are short. Oh, look at my tree. And now you don't have branches. They're inside. Draw some leaves on the tree. What's this for? What is that? You're not looking at the changes and you keep growing. I'm sorry. Okay, olive tree. Those are leaves on the branches. Okay. Olive tree. The people of God. What are you Come and lay on my tree. The people of God in the Old Testament were often portrayed as an olive tree. And so Paul's going to take that figure in Romans 11. He's going to show us the olive tree. He's going to say, verse 17. Is it 17? Yeah. And if some of the branches, who are the natural branches? Israel. They were born into the olive tree. Be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, who are the wild olive trees, the unnatural branches? Who are they? The Gentiles were grafted in among them, and with them, who is them? Israel. Israel. That's right. That's right. Partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Okay? So what he's saying is, and he'll say it again 
in uh, for if thou wert covered. Anyway, what he's saying, I'm going to read three or four more verses right here, but what he's saying is if the natural branch was cut off, how was how the natural branches cut off? I know that, but how did he do it? What does it mean that the natural branch, the olive tree is God's people, yeah. and God walked up and cut off a branch of God's people. Who were they that were cut off? Huh? That's, that's correct. But why? who were they more generally? They were unbelieving Jews cut off from the olive tree. And who were the unnatural branches that were grafted into the olive tree? The believing Gentiles. Okay? You see what it says? So all of God's people are the ones who believe. It says, if some of the branches be broken off, broken off, and you, who is you? <laughs> I know it's you, but it's the Gentiles. Being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them. Who was them? Okay, so look, it's saying that not all of Israel is cast away. Not all of Israel is just broken off. It says some of the branches were broken off, and you, as a believing Gentile, were grafted into the people of God, and now you partake, it says you, with them, partake of the root of the olive tree. With them who are there, you partake in the same olive tree that they are in. Does that make sense? So, here you have a Jewish guy that believes in Christ. Here you have a Gentile guy that believes in Christ. In other words, you're not treated any different. You don't get any You have been adopted into the family. You don't get any less, any more. Any you have, yeah, that's right. You have been adopted into the family of God. You are part of His people. Heirs to the promise. Okay? So it says, but here's the one thing that we can't do. Verse 18. we got to hurry, man. It is. Oh, yeah, we got to go. It says... Don't boast against the branches that have been broken off. He said, you can't say, don't, don't fall into the trap of saying, well, God's done thrown them away and now we're His people and it's all good. And we're... He says, you better not do that. He says, but if you boast, He says, you don't bear the root. Thou bearest not the root, but the root, the, the root bears you. It says it's by grace. God gave this to you. It's nothing you did, nothing you earned. There's no eye. There is no eye. It says, Thou will say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. He says, That's right. Well, good. He says, Because of what were they broken off? Unbelief. Unbelief. That's right. And you stand by faith. So be not high-minded, but be afraid. Be, be fearful. Be in awe. Be... Uh, be yeah, don't be prideful is what it's saying. Just because you can't say, well, God has thrown away them and now it's us and we are the ones and we are the, we are the, you can't do that either. Even though we've been grafted into the tree by faith, you need to understand that God doesn't owe you jack squat. Period. He don't owe you the next breath. He don't owe you not. He don't owe you nothing. And that was the problem with the Jews of Jesus' day, wasn't it? They thought, God, that was me. Why? Because I'm a Jewish guy. And I give alms, and I do my prayers when I'm supposed to, and I recite the deal, and I pray, and I fast, and I do all my things. God owes me. God don't owe you squat. 
But because God has broken off the branches that did not believe, and He has grafted in the branches that did believe in Christ, we can't say either that we have somehow earned something, or that we are somehow better than other folks, or we have somehow, we have somehow replaced God's people, that He has cast them off and now replaced them with us. You can't say that either. See what I mean? It's saying, because it's all of grace, and now the broken branches, here are all the broken branches, and who are the broken branches? Unbelieving Jews are broken branches. Right? All these unbelieving Jews that are broken branches are not in the tree anymore, but it says they can be grafted back in. And how are they going to be grafted back in? By believing in Christ. So what we don't we don't live high-minded above them, we don't live proudful above them. We bring them the gospel. And they too can be grafted in. It says uh, verse 21, I know I'm going to get a question on this, so I'm going to save that to last. Verse 23 says, And they also, if they abide not, talking about the broken off branches, not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, if you were a wild branch that were cut off the olive and were grafted in, grafted contrary to nature into the good tree, what he's saying is, here's the olive tree that's not part of God's people, and God God cut you off of this one and grafted you off, grafted you into history. He says, if God did that for you, he said, how much more shall these, the Jews, which be natural branches from this tree, be grafted into their own olive tree? See what I'm saying? It's kind of a confusing metaphor, but once you understand what he's saying, it makes sense then. Okay? It says... He said, I would not that you be ignorant, brethren, of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has all Israel been blinded. No. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come. And so, that word so is very debated. If you ask me, and I would be translating this, it would say, in this manner. And so... Hutos, in case you care. Most of you probably don't. And so, in this, this is how all Israel will be saved. How will all Israel be saved? By being grafted in through Jesus. Through Jesus. Exactly. Y'all got it. Now, remember the lines I had up here with the X's on? All these are not Israel. But God has saved this one and 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 this one within Israel. Right? When it says all Israel will be saved, does it mean all these people? No. Those, and it's talking about Jewish people now. It's talking about Israel. Those who trust in Christ. Okay? You understand? So remember, he spent, he spent the last two chapters telling us that not all Israel is Israel. But only those who are of faith. It wasn't Ishmael who... It wasn't uh, Esau. It was only those who trusted that were part of Israel. And so all Israel, all the ones who trust, will be saved. You understand? So we bring the gospel to them too. Okay? Is there any questions? Man, I am so late. I gotta go. If you want to talk to me about 22, I'm sure you did, Bruce.
But it says, but Behold, if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest He also not spare thee. You know, that kind of sounds like, well, if I don't act right, He might break me off. The dip, you know what I mean? But He's talking about the people. He's talking about the people as a whole. He's talking about, uh, for example, when a church gets high-minded, when a church gets prideful, when a church gets where they, I got it going on and everything's cool, God will break them off. In fact, Jesus told uh, some of the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, He said, unless you repent, I'm going to come and I'm going to remove your candlestick, which means I'm going to get rid of you. You know what I mean? Everybody with me? I am so glad to be going into chapter 12 next week. Because this was the end of this whole Israel-Gentile question, which is very important when you study the Bible and the different things, but for your practical life, it, you know, a lot of questions come up. So next week we're going to talk about who, who you are. Now, now that we've talked about all this theology, we've talked about salvation, we've talked about all this, now we're going to talk next week about what do I do with what I know. What have I, what have I been taught and what am I supposed to go do with it? Okay? So, do what? Stay on the tree. Stay on the tree. <laughs> I could say something funny, but I ain't. <laughs>